This week on the show. I grew up with my mom. My mom was a single mom. She was pretty young when she had me. Artistically, like she was very, very gifted. She was a very gifted artist, like visually artistic woman. Right. I always was very interested in what she was doing, but I was not gifted visually, I think. But I got into theater because my grandma took me to go see The Lion King when I was maybe five years old. And I was like, what the heck is this? Like, <sighs> There are all these brown and black people who look like me, who look like my aunties, right. they're on stage. And it was like one of the most fantastical things that I think I'd ever seen. Marissa Razo. I had talked to a few agencies and met with a few like mother agencies and they had said some crazy stuff to me. About, yeah, like what? Like if you want a model, you need to lose like 20 pounds. And I was wow. like, I don't think I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. Like that's not happening. Model. I think that sometimes male photographers don't understand boundaries. Right. Especially because there's a lot of young models, like young, young models who are fresh faced, who are so eagerly looking forward to like coming into the industry and getting a portfolio built. And then these male photographers like really take advantage of that. So they're like, yeah. oh, I'll do a free test shoot for you. But also the concept is you're naked and we're in the middle of the woods. And I'm like, first of all, that's a horrible concept. Second of all, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Actor. I just feel like there's nothing more magical than acting because especially if you really let yourself go and you're really like in something, it's like, wow, like this is what, this is sympathy. This is empathy to fully be like, dang, like reading this and like, oh, like that hurt me. Or like, oh, something good happens to a character. And you're like, yes, girl, like, yes. No. Um, Writer. It's just being excited about all the possibilities and all the stories that I could see myself and the people who I know and love in. Yeah. yeah very easily and then we'll talk through and maybe i don't take this suggestion that he gives me or she gives me but it takes me somewhere yeah and sometimes I it's a little thing right that you hear but they don't hear themselves <laughs> saying and then you're like oh okay i got it <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta go i gotta go i'm like how what are you doing and i find myself like wanting to imitate that like the way that he writes and like it just feels so good to be like wow like oh someone was like oh i feel like i see this writer in you and you're like ah, like yes thank you i feel so good let's talk to marissa razo on the very creative podcast marissa razo how's it going good how are you i'm good i'm good thank you for coming on my podcast yeah. Uh, so you were having a technical difficulties. So how did that go? It was okay. The Wi-Fi in my building is not consistently good. So yeah, I usually just run to a friend's apartment who is like super, super close. So it's not too bad. Yeah, that's okay. That's good. Um, so introduce yourself to everyone. Okay. So my name is Marisa. I am a student at NYU. I'm in my third year at NYU right now studying drama with a minor in screenplay writing and filmmaking. Wow. And I'm really focused right now on making films surrounding the my identity as like a black person and as a black woman specifically and trying to capture like the vastness of that, the intimacy of that and kind of the spectrum and trying to create the worlds that I live in. Yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah, I didn't know that you minored in screenplay. That's that's awesome. I'm a writer too, so I'm always a <laughs> yeah. So uh, where did you grow up, by the way? I grew up in Virginia. Um, okay. Yeah, so kind of Chesapeake. I would say the longest, but just around that general area. Yeah. And uh, how did you find your way? You're in New York right now, right? Mm -hmm. How did you find your way there? Uh, I had I go to NYU right now, but I had never really heard of NYU until my junior year of high school if i'm being really honest okay um i went to i got into this theater program that i, I was super excited about and i went and all of these theater kids who were like real theater kids like i was into it but i <laughs> was yeah, yeah they were all talking about all the colleges they were applying for and i was like oh i've never heard of that so let me write that <laughs> down write that down write that down and that's how i kind of got my college application list yeah it felt like they knew so many things that i didn't so then i went back home and I was talking to my grandparents and I was like, look, these kids would not shut up about these schools. So I think the schools that I need to apply to. And that's how I got here. Yeah. And, uh, were you intimidated by uh, your application? It's hard to get uh, NYU. I, many schools in the U.S. 
I think I was. I lived with my grandparents who are both a little older. Yeah. And the college application process from them to me is very different, especially as a performance major. So I spent a lot of time like literally on YouTube, like what is coming up, like what is like Googling everything. And but I I feel like if I knew more, it would have been a less stressful process. But the internet exists, so I was just using that. Yeah. Remind me your major again? I'm a drama major. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. So uh, talk about a bit about how you grew up and how did you find your creativity? Uh, all that stuff. Um, I grew up with my mom. My mom was a single mom. She was pretty young when she had me and was struggling with a lot of mental health issues. And I found that artistically, like she was very, very gifted. She was a very gifted artist, like visually artistic woman. Right. And I always was very interested in what she was doing, but I was not gifted visually, I think. But I got into theater because my grandma took me to go see The Lion King when I was maybe five years old. And I was like, what the heck is this? Like, <sighs> there are all these brown and black people who look like me, who look like my aunties, right. they're on stage. And it was like one of the most fantastical things that I think I'd ever seen. And then I was like, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, from there what was the feeling in your body when when you saw because you explained a little bit but what was that like i think because i can remember it clearly about like the way the theater felt and really not wanting to go because my grandma was like oh we're gonna go to the theater and i was like oh we're gonna go see a movie i'm like five at the time was not feeling it then she was like right. we was like no this has real people in it and i was like oh my gosh this sucks like i don't <laughs> <laughs> So we're sitting in the movie theater, in the, in the um, theater theater, and then all of a sudden, all this noise starts, and I look back, and these people are like coming, these huge animal costumes from down the aisles, and I was like, "What is going on?" So I remember being so small that I could kind of stand in my seat, and right. like looking around and being like, "This is the coolest thing ever." My grandma was like, "Yeah, <laughs> it is really cool." Yeah. And then from there, like obsessed with movies as a kid, obsessed with like film and like TV and like scripted things like that. And just really wanting to be like, oh, how do I do that? And yeah. so from there, I'm just like asking questions at my local high school. Like our arts program wasn't great, but it did the job. <laughs> like it got me through the door of like, what programs do I need to be looking to by talking to kids outside of my program? Right. And then from there, NYU has been kind of figuring out the language. Like there's a lot of stuff that I don't know that my peers know, but there's a lot of stuff that I know that my peers don't know. And I find that especially at this PWI, that they are interested in learning about stuff that I really could care less about if I'm being super honest. But my knowledge of theater and the universe in which I exist in and which I create in is different from theirs, but I feel like more valuable. And I, I think it took me a while to realize like, no, you do not need to know all these like random white men playwrights. Like you just don't. <laughs> you're like you're so cool right now. Like you're okay. Yeah. Were you the kind of, because you talked a bit about uh, watching movies and TV and just being ca captivated by that. So were you the kind of kid that just stared at the TV and analyzed everything, every move? Because I was, and yeah. that's how it started. I think 100%. I, was, I used to watch movies multiple times and see what I could see that was different. Yeah. At first I was like, oh, this is such a cool movie. And the one that I remember doing this with the most is The Dark Knight. I was obsessed with that movie. Oh, yeah. And like, and I was probably like, I don't even know. My mom's like, okay, girl. Um, <laughs> and I was like, this is so interesting because like, obviously like Batman's the main character, but I was like, these other characters are so interesting too. Right. So I was like, if I rewatch it and I'm kind of looking at them, they're all doing stuff consistently throughout the whole film too. And so that's what I started doing with all movies. I was like, okay, during when I watch it this time, I'm going to be watching so-and-so to see what they're doing. I was like, this is so interesting. And right. I think that was the more fun part about um, film versus maybe theater. Just because I have some opinions about theater being like a little elitist, but that's like a whole nother conversation. Oh, it can be, it can be. Yeah. yeah. And then with film, it, like I learned so much artistically free almost. Right. Like this is like a DVD that some guy on the street like sold to us for like $5. Like I'm, I'm having this artistic education in a very different way, I feel like. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, just going off this question that I had previously, uh, do you feel like when you're watching, because you're a writer too, right? So, uh, and you're an actor. So, 
for me, sometimes I watch movies. I'm like from the perspective of a writer. Yeah. And I'm, it, it's totally different than when I watch the movie for the actors because mm -hmm. I'm an actor too. And I, when I, I want to learn about it, I'm, I'm just like, oh, how is that person playing that role? What are they doing? How are they staying in the, the scene focus? You know, it's totally different. So talk a bit about that. What's your experience with that? I think I was an actor first before I started writing. And it wasn't until I was in my acting program that I realized maybe I was really interested in writing. And the way to approach acting for me was thinking about the author's intention. Yeah. It made more sense. And I remember there's a quote by Stephen McKinley Henderson, who's like a fantastic actor. He worked a lot with August Wilson about your goal as an actor is to be like from the first page is to do what the author intended from the last page. Like you have to get there. You have to make that arch completely. I was yeah. like, that so much sense instead of like oh, I'm like obviously I'm feeling it I'm in my emotions etc cetera, etc cetera. but like you're supposed to get to where you need to be and yeah. so when I'm watching things I feel that way too I'm like is the actor and the writer like are they in are they dancing right now like are they completely like entwined with each other and then sometimes they're not and sometimes it's the writer's fault sometimes it's the actor's That's interesting yeah you can really see that like I do not think this actor knew what the writer was trying to get them to do. That's really interesting. Yeah. Wait a minute. Or when you watch something that's not written well, but the actor is killing it and you're like, dang, like that's such a waste. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. the actors are <laughs> bettering the product. Sometimes they're <laughs> making it worse <laughs> because they don't understand anything. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And when did you start modeling? Um, that happened while I came to New York. Though my my grandma tells this story all the time about yeah. like I don't know I think I was maybe just very young toddler <laughs> that general age where we got some portraits taken for Christmas and like J C Penney's asked if they could keep them and we were like okay girl and then we <laughs> came back and like they were using them for the promo and my, my grandma jokes all the time that that was my first like modeling gig but it was unpaid so I don't think it counts. <laughs> when I got to New York, I was noticing that a lot of the girls that I knew in the theater program and the acting program did modeling as kind of like a side hustle just because there's just so much. I think that people don't understand how big certain industries are because we yeah. see the same five models. Like we see Kylie, Kendall, like we see them all day, every day. And so, they're all white right. most of the time. <laughs> you guys are not giving what I thought you were supposed to give. So it's like, okay. But my teacher actually was like, there's, um, there's a lot of modeling opportunities, especially because I'm taller. And she was like, you should really look into that because you can make some good money while you're here. And then my boyfriend was in touch with somebody who was a part of the agency that I'm with now. And she like kind of talked me through the process and then it kind of went well from there. Yeah. Um, were you uh, intimidated by the New York modeling uh, scene and everything? Or were you excited about it? I was excited. I was intimidated, but I wasn't because I had talked to a few agencies and met with a few like mother agencies and they had said some crazy stuff to me. About, yeah. Like what? Like if you want to model, you need to lose like 20 pounds. And I was wow. like, I don't think I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Like that's not happening. Or going to agencies or being in casting call rooms and being the only person of color. And I was like, this is horrible. Like if there's not another black girl, if there's not another black girl who doesn't look like me, I'm not a part of this project and I'm not. Yeah. And I just felt like, I was like, wow, it's so easy for some people, specifically like white girls to be able to go into this industry, not do things very well and go far. And I was like, okay, so if I work really hard and I like, I learned what I need to be doing. I could go pretty far. Like, so I, my whole goal was not to let the idea of whiteness and like this, like the Eurocentric center, like standard of beauty, I was not going to let that intimidate me. And I was like, no, that's not happening. Like, you know who right. you are, you know, you're a very pretty girl and you have to think of this as a job. So learn your angles, learn what you need to do to make yourself comfortable and do the work. And I was like, okay. So now when I go, I'm like very specific about like what I need to do and like yeah. make sure that I don't misrepresent myself or allow myself to be misrepresented. Have you seen a change in how they treat you and how the the industry like is going with diversity? I think so. I think because the agency that I'm with right now is run by entirely women, which is really nice. And they're being really proactive and casting right. different sizes, different colors, and 
something that was really big for me was like, I don't want to be the representation of what all black women look like. Cause that's just incorrect. And I was like making sure that they are having like dark skinned women that they're having plus size women. I was like, I'm not going to sign myself up for something that makes me feel shameful because they're giving attention to me. And I, I feel like my agency does that pretty well. Like I go to the meetings and of course there are more white girls. And I feel like that is something that I would like to see change. But yeah. I do look around and there's girls who look like me, who don't look like me. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's like this room is so beautiful. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Do you see, um, uh, do the, cause there's modeling, uh, there's the models and there's the, the people behind the scenes. So do you see them treat you differently a little bit or how um, do you, yeah. I think that photographers and makeup artists do not often know how to work with black women or people of color in general, because there has been not so much in New York. They're a little better in New York, right. but there are people where I would go to shoots and they didn't know how to do my makeup. And I knew that I looked not right. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. um, looking with more male photographers sometimes is a little uncomfortable because uh, I think that sometimes male photographers don't understand boundaries. Right. Especially because there's a lot of young models, like young, young models who are fresh faced, who are so eagerly looking forward to like coming into the industry and getting a portfolio built. And then these male photographers like really take advantage of that. So they're like, yeah. oh, I'll do a free test shoot for you. But also the concept is you're naked and we're in the middle of the woods. And I'm like, first of all, that's a horrible concept. Second of all, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Especially when you're young and you're ambitious and you want to like make it, you know, and it's like, I, I will do everything. You don't, you don't think about that. You don't think about it's okay to say no, it's okay to just not do it. So a goal for me has been to like, try to find as many like women photographers as I can mm. working with women of color, just because I, I just feel more comfortable personally working on a team where there's women of color and it's been going good. Like a, one of my friends, Lauren Darden is one of the most talented photographers I have ever come in contact with. And when I right. shoot the photos just come out so much better. Cause not only is she an incredible photographer, but she has such good energy. Like she's truly taking care of the model. And I think that shows in the photos and she's not afraid to let me play my playlist where the music is the music that I like to listen to. That's great. Comfortable. Whereas sometimes I'll shoot with photographers and they'll be like, oh, put some music on. I'll be like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah, 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 put on whatever you want. And then when I put on Meg Thee Stallion, they were looking at me like, oh my gosh, why did you pick this? this is, and they're just making comments. And like, so we're both uncomfortable or I'm uncomfortable because they're looking at me a certain way. And it's like, you guys are wild. Like you guys have to get it together. Wow. Not everyone wants to listen to like the pop charts. Like that does not make me feel cute. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Like, uh, do you feel like you need to feel good or do you need to feel a certain way to take good pictures or? Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think. Do you see that result? Yeah, you can, you can really see, especially. Um, I just think it. Like when I'm taking pictures with like, say, Lauren or even another photographer of color or a photographer who's like from the jump, like really sitting down, like as soon as you come in talking to you and like trying to make you comfortable versus one who's more in and out, who's probably making strange comments or like just inappropriate yeah. the whole time. Like, you're, Does that happen often? I, it definitely happens often. And I oh think it's very often for models of color and actors of color because yeah. sometimes... Like I've heard horror stories from people about going to get headshots done. And then the, all the photographer can say is like little racial comments and like little like sexualizing comments. And even my experience with going to take photos with someone and I was wearing like athleisure wear, like it was nothing. Yeah. And just little comments about my body and just like, and I was like, you, this is not. And of course, like I personally, I like to maintain professionalism. Like, you're making all the little comments you want, especially if it's helpful. Like, uh-uh, like that's not it. Like, go like this. And I'm like, okay, cool. But when it comes to maybe degrading and it comes from entitlement and it comes from usually a place of like white ignorance, I feel like that's really unacceptable. And it puts models in a position like I should be able to show up for a job and then be able to do my hair, do my makeup and not make me feel like I shouldn't be doing this job. The same way yeah. these white girls come in and they're, their the expectation is that they're going to be taken care of. 
do you, do you feel that if you call them out, it, it's uh, it's dangerous and your career can be in jeopardy? Or do you feel they're going to treat you differently? Um, I think there's always a hesitation. Yeah. And I think for me, when I was younger and I was getting into acting, it was more like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. Because when I right. did it for myself, I often found that there was I was met with a lot of like hostility and like, just off the wall stuff like no one wants to be called a racist but they want to behave racist <laughs> so, right. but now as someone who is older and has, has more grasp on what i find acceptable and what i don't um if i'm not comfortable in the moment mm. i just text my agent or i'll call her and be like hey this photographer made me very uncomfortable huh. and she's like okay cool and i think that's you have to have a good relationship with your agent and your agency to know that they're going to stick up for you And the first time I felt that way, I think um, I had gotten my hair braided and I was really excited. But one of my teachers had made a very strange comment about taking them out before I went to for the shoot. And, they were, and I was like, what? And I remember offhandedly mentioning it to my agent and she dropped what she was doing and she called me and she was like, do not feel that way. We love the way that you represent yourself. Like you are very versatile, like as a black woman, like this is how you look sometimes throughout the mm. year. And she's like, that's fine with us. You can keep them in all year if you want. And I was like, Ooh, that's a good sign because now I feel more comfortable being able to do this. But I do think that agencies, when they're hiring young people of color, should make it more of an extension on their part where they're like, hey, we recognize this. If you ever run into any kind of trouble, do not hesitate rather than, oh, if it happens, reach out to us. But they don't ever tell you that that's okay because then it puts a lot of responsibility on us. Whereas like, We don't even know if you're cool at this point. Like, we don't know if you're going to be like, what? What did they say that was wrong? Like, yeah. yeah. I feel like a lot of companies have to be more proactive right now. Yeah. And it's really good what you said about having a good relationship with your agent because so many agencies also take advantage of people. Right. And, and especially young people, like you mentioned earlier, like young people are ambitious and they want to like... Mm -hmm really make it so they, they they'll sign with anyone if they're yeah. not you know, conscious about it people want to be successful and i think that drive is really helpful but it can also be really detrimental yeah so successful especially like as a woman as a woman of color like you have to know your boundaries first right. wow yeah um so do you find the modeling uh <laughs> No, I, I think it's really interesting. We're laughing, but I think it's uh, it's really interesting and it's really important for people to hear that. Uh, and yeah, especially for young people that are, uh, yeah, are going into modeling and are going into big cities like New York that are intimidating. Uh, so yeah, um, but my next question was, because uh, you're a writer, you're an actor, do you find modeling as creative or what's your relationship with creativity and modeling? Nothing stays buried forever, especially not the past. Yesterday is Not Yet Gone, a mystery novel by Gabriel Vega, host of the Very Creative Podcast. Available now, paperback and digital. GabrielVega.com. Buy it now. What's your relationship with creativity and modeling? I think at first I didn't think it was that creative and I was like, oh, I'm just, you know, they're taking pictures of me. Like it's cute, whatever. But then um, I think I watched Ashley Graham. She was doing some video. She's a wonderful model. Like, and she was talking about, she was either talking about modeling or she was talking about something. And she was like, yeah, like I like to do a certain thing when I'm modeling. And she made it seem more as a process rather than, mm. Because I was thinking like, this is work. Like you take a nice picture, you go home. And I was like, oh, wait, that's really interesting. Like you really have the power to create a really, really strong image through very, very nuanced changes in your body and your face and your movement. And I was like, okay, that's cool. So the last few shoots that I've been doing, I was like, okay, let's try a few things. Like, let me go through Instagram and look at the pictures that I love the most or like the models that I love the most. Like, what are they doing that is so captivating? Right. And I think... Um, there's all, there's another model that I really like. I cannot remember her name right now, but she was talking about how uh, modeling is really similar to dancing for her because you're kind of moving through the image and then you could get, they take like 10 photos and that one movement that you did creates like a stunning photo. And so 
I've been trying to just let it become more of a creative process and kind of like maybe undo certain thoughts that I had about the whole process. And it's like, no, 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 like this is work, but this is also creative work. Yeah. Do you feel it's because you have been doing this for a while now that you now yeah. take, take more freedom? When I first started, I was like, oh my God, please don't let them know that I'm nervous right now. Like yeah. very, very scared, very, very stiff, not cute, but <laughs> trying yeah. my best. But I think, yeah, like I'm trying to like, and it sounds vain, but a lot of it is just looking at yourself, which I was like, I can't, I literally can't do that. Like, that's so goofy. And I was like, no, like you need to sit in front of the mirror and like, what, what makes you look the most attractive? And I think, especially as women, we're like, oh my gosh, as soon as a woman shows any kind of vanity or any kind of self-love, people are losing their mind. They're like, she is just doing too much. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So, like, Who cares what they think though? <laughs> I was like, girl, you look good. You need to celebrate that. This is your job. You're literally getting yeah. paid to look good. So I feel like I had to like, mm, I caught something that may, that is not a thought of me. It's a thought of someone else that's put on me. So I need to like nip mm. that right now. That's really powerful. <laughs> not, not getting it. Cause yeah, ev everyone has that. Like you, you, you yeah. think, oh, they're going to say that probably. And yeah. am I going to, especially as a writer, you're like, what are they going to think of that scene that I'm writing? Are they going to comment? And that can get into your head and right. that can like influence your process and it shouldn't at all. Yeah. So yeah. How do you feel? Uh, do you feel the same way when you're writing? Um, when I'm writing, I know who my audience is. Yeah. That That's interesting. I know, because just again, going to NYU, having a lot of old white men. <laughs> yeah. They're always reading my stuff and they're like, I don't get it. I don't like it. Why are there no men? Why are there no white people? Why is the white man the antagonist? And I'm like, I wonder why. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't <And> know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, that doesn't sound familiar at all. And, or they're like, I don't get the references. I don't get the joke. I don't get this. And it's like, you don't have to get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have, a crazy, girl, though. I have a girl my age, who's also a writer who can read this and give me the technical critiques. And she knows the script because I'm not writing in your language. I'm not writing in your universe. My universe is black centric, Afrocentric women. Like yeah. if you don't get it, that's cool. But you can admire that I'm doing the technique well. And I think that's what I'm, taking advantage of at NYU, the fact that they're, they are giving me technique, they're giving me resources, they're giving me like opportunities, like they're open, the, you can open the door with the name NYU in a heartbeat, but they might not have the doors that I want. And so right. I the doors that I want by just, again, collaborating with other artists. But I think a lot of the time I'm like, one, I, I do take in consideration some things because like, again, like as writing is it from a place of privilege, like I'm not the epitome of what blackness is. And so I need to keep that in mind when I'm writing. I need to make sure that it's not centric to my perspective. Mm. If I'm writing something about myself, I always make sure to kind of have that clear. But again, like that's, I think that's okay to take that in because you should, like you want people to read your stuff and feel good. And you don't want to be like, oh, if she would have just did that. And I was like, dang, because I watch stuff all the time. And I'm like, dang, if they would have just done that, more people would have felt included. It would have been more realistic and people would have felt good watching it. Yeah. So that's my goal. So I, and I typically write with other people. I'll start writing, send it over to my girlfriend. She'll look at it and be like, oh, try this. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like that really just did a lot for me. Yeah. Do you feel like uh, you trust them less now, your professors and <laughs> all the, yeah. A hundred percent. I'm, mm, but not in a way that I can't acknowledge that they're very talented writers. Yeah. And the same way that I can sit down and watch um, some classic old white man movie and be like, wow, that was so good. I'm probably not going to watch that ever again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're very talented, but it's just not my intentions and my goals. So I can yeah. recognize, I can read my teacher scripts and be like, oh, that was so fire. Okay. Now I'm going to go watch this. And, but I don't think that they do that for us. They're like, yeah. Uh, don't get that and i'm like oh my gosh like okay can you get past the fact that you feel like an outsider and read my work well yeah i always wonder um what what do you think of like lord of the rings and all those white men <laughs> films what do you what do you see when you watch them i love sci-fi fantasy all that stuff and but the thing is for me those aren't white man films 
They right. often, but most of the time with sci-fi and fantasy, they take the stories of people of color and make the protagonist either like a white teenage girl, 12 to 18, or like a young white man searching for himself or something like that. Because if you watch some of these stories, I'm like, you guys are literally writing about like something that happened in history like 30 years ago, but you just added a spaceship and like swords. Like, dude, you're not slick. <laughs> you're not slick for that. Yeah. But, um, and I think that's why so many people are like young people of color are attracted to sci-fi and superhero mm. because we see our stories but we don't see ourselves and i feel like mm. that is the responsibility of the casting and the writing and i don't know where that disconnect is yeah especially because oh, what i used to be such a nerd like i mean i still am but i feel like i'm not ashamed of it and very it very shouldn't be yeah it's cute yeah. And i was really into x-men like for some reason i was upset and i was upset mm with it and then i remember reading something um some article where they were drawing comparisons to like magneto professor x within like the guys of civil rights and like martin luther king and malcolm mm. x like why did y'all not go all the way like if you're like right. feeling this plot line why did you whitewash yeah. this entire cast like that's not cute really interesting yeah i was like it would have been so easy and i feel like i just feel like Hollywood has to catch up. Like we see it. Like when I watch stuff with my grandfather, he was like, don't be fooled by that. This happened in this year in this state. And I'm like, yeah. dang, really? And he's like, yes. Like yeah. you're telling me that Star Wars isn't about like oppression and all this other stuff. And I was like, but you have maybe one person of color in that whole cast. And he's a man. Like, no. They were probably like X-Men. They were probably like, oh, uh, so we want white people to understand the problem. So we're just going to put mutants and the mutants uh, like are black people, but we won't say it, you know? So, but they were going to be white. And I think I saw, I don't remember what it was, but I saw maybe it was something I found on YouTube and it was describing that um, yeah. almost exactly of like, these stories about more often than not black people and people of color, but then they have white people doing it. And the right. white people are like, yeah, like that's so messed up. People need to be nice to, to the mutants or to the da da da. But then they go home yeah. and they say crazy stuff. And I'm like, what's not clicking? What is not clicking? <laughs> like, how is this your favorite movie? But like, you're still like pro capitalist and you're still like doing all this crazy stuff that is really right. fucking people up. Like, sorry for my friends. I don't know if that's allowed on this. No, it's fine. Everything's <laughs> allowed. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah uh, i don't know it's just it's just weird to think about uh, the last time especially because we were talking about the dark knight earlier i was like i was watching it and it's one of my favorite movie but i i was looking at the trilogy i was like damn there's not a lot of diversity in those movies at all and also batman is not a good person like he's really running up on people who are in poverty and beating them the fuck up for like no reason. And I'm like, dude, you are the problem. <laughs> you yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. And it's, no, it's, it's an interesting conversation. It is. And I talked to my friend, um, Ryan Wise, who is incredible, incredible, incredible filmmaker and writer. And yeah. we talked about all the stuff that we're into, like nerdy stuff. And then he's like, dang. But then I go home and I'm like, dang, that wasn't right. Like I was probably sympathizing for the wrong character at this point. <laughs> you're really right you're right yeah so you you talked about writing uh with other people what's talk a bit about uh, your writing process a little bit and w w where does it go from the beginning to the end and what do you write i think everything comes to me as like oh that would be such a cool idea like oh what would you think i think i write in terms of my friends like mm. the characters that i write are representations of people that i already know so nothing is like super, super original. And then I'll like, I'll be sitting, I'll be like, then I'll call my boyfriend, I'll call my best friend and be like, wouldn't it be so cool if me and you like, da -da 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 -da. and they're like, yeah, that is really cool. And I'm like, okay, I gotta go. I'm gonna go write this down. Yeah. And then from there, like, I kind of like word vomit, like a vague plot. I'm like, oh, then this would be cool. And then this would be really cool. And then this could teach a cool lesson and like making it come full circle. But then after that, that's when I'm like, oh boy, like now I have to sit through, go through each scene, write dialogue. And yeah, but I think it's just being excited about all the possibilities and all the stories that I could see myself and the people who I know and love in yeah. very, very easily. Do you, because um, you, you, again, you said you write with other people. When does that happen? Uh, it's just uh, t talking to people on the phone or? I think so. I think, and I'm not, usually too 
scared to ask for help. Like if I don't understand, like I'm like, oh, like this is a plot hole or like it's not the transition from this to this is not making sense. Yeah. Okay, you know who I can do? I can call Lauren because Lauren is also a writer on top of it. Okay. Right. Or I can call Ryan and be like, this is not adding up. And then we'll talk through and maybe I don't take this suggestion that he gives me or she gives me, but it takes me somewhere. Yeah. And sometimes it's a little thing, right? That you hear, but they don't hear themselves right. saying. And then you're like, oh, okay, I got it. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> I feel like a lot of that is through talking it through because essentially you're creating like a universe. You're creating like something living and breathing and it can't be on the page the whole time. So when I talk it through with someone, I'm like, oh, I see what I was missing when I was just looking at it. Because when you talk yeah. through, you almost have to use an entirely different language and I guess like sentence structure when you're talking about it versus like thinking about it, looking at it, because you're trying to make your universe make sense to someone. And then you're like, oh, I see why that didn't make sense. Because I have a huge hole right here. Like, duh, girl. But <laughs> I feel like it's nice. And I feel like, I really admire collaboration because I think that's how you include everyone's perspective. Yeah. I'm like, that's how you know that there were multiple people in the room all creating this universe. And I was like, cause I feel like when I watch things and I was like, oh, that's horrible representation or like, oh, that didn't make sense. Or I can tell a man wrote this, like not giving. And I was like, especially if they're writing about women, I think that's again, something mm. you can really tell. I was like, okay, so why don't I, I can't figure out every like perspective of the universe. I have a pretty good gauge because I love to write and I love to create, but asking for a few little glimpses into it does more good than harm. And I think yeah. a lot of writers are scared to do that. Like, oh, then I didn't really write it. Yes, you did. But you just don't know like how maybe your girlfriend would truly react. You have a, maybe a perception of how she would react. And I don't want to write based off of perceptions because yeah. I think that's dangerous and it's, if it's not dangerous, like it, not everything is super dangerous, but it's just not right. And right. I feel like I'd like to write something where people go and they're like, oh yeah, that's true. Even if like we're shooting like laser beams at each other, it's a sci-fi like blockbuster. I want the characters and the situations to be true. Nothing stays buried forever, especially not the past. Yesterday is not yet gone. A mystery novel by Gabriel Vega, host of the Very Creative Podcast. Available now. Paperback and digital. GabrielVega.com. Buy it now. How do you feel about acting? What's, uh, what's your relationship with acting with all that? I love it. I really, yeah. really do. I feel like... I just feel like there's nothing more magical than acting. Yeah. Because especially if you really let yourself go and you're really like in something, it's like, wow, like this is what, this is sympathy. This is empathy to fully be like, dang, like reading this and like, oh, like that hurt me. Or like, oh, something good happens to a character. And you're like, yes, girl. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, but again, I think during my time at NYU, I lost a little bit of what made me really happy about acting just mm. because... It's tough, right? It's uh, completely, you're not in control. That's the, the thing most of the time, unless you create your own work. And that's, I, I love, but I felt like the work that was being given to me, the notes that I was getting and the consistent work that I was getting was not, I was not being taken care of in the way that I should have been. Right. And, and I think, again, it comes back to teachers not knowing how to take care of their students of color. And I'm like, mm. there's no reason why me, my best friend, my other friend, my other friend, all my roommates have all played beneath the, in a raisin in the sun. Are yeah. you <laughs> Girl, like, why is that the only play that y'all can think of? Or something by August Wilson, wow. nothing against, nothing against these. These are classics. These are, these are our, like, this yeah. is Bible. These are, these works are important, but they're acting like that is the only work we can do. Yeah. And it's like. First of all, if you're going to give me this work, you need to know this show. And I've been in situations where a teacher has given me notes on the show. And they were so excited, like, yeah, you're going to love this. And I was like, oh, my God, I know it's racist. <laughs> I know it's And then they give me notes. So I know that they haven't even read the play. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys are crazy. Or giving me notes on scenes that is just incorrect. Like, oh, I think right now you were probably really angry, right? And I was like, oh, no, I wasn't. 
or like, oh, you probably, you weren't showing a lot of emotion. So you weren't feeling anything. And I was like, that's not true because maybe the way that I express emotion Mm. and then someone else can be in the class and be like, no, I knew she was mad because of the way she was talking, the way she was moving. And I was like, I don't think they're willing to, and I don't know. I don't know why, because I feel like people who are attracted to acting are attracted to empathy and they're attracted to multi, like they're attracted to different universes. But I, I think Again, it's coming from a place of ego and it's coming from a place of place of guilt that mm. is super unhelpful. And so there was a while where I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore because they're making me feel like something's wrong with me. Yeah. But I'm getting all this feedback from this teacher who shares something in common with me. And I'm like, why am I so miserable outside of this class? And I think that's when I was like, Mm-mm, this is not about to happen to me. You guys are not going to ruin this for me, especially when I'm paying this much money. I had to sit down and talk to the head of our program and be like, this is not working. Like the stuff that you're giving us is not making sense. And I just feel like there's no excuse at this point. Yeah. I'm like, it's 2020 at the time. There's no reason. There's no reason that we should be doing a raisin in the sun every year. Like, what are yeah. you and then getting the same feedback like why am i getting the same notes that my friend is doing for the same exact part when we are doing it from completely different perspectives like it's not it's not adding up to me and but it's true right because i i studied that play at university and like i i did a drama class and it was all white plays now that i think about it and until we got to that play and and that and then we moved on to other white plays so it's it's crazy it's uh, yeah and I'm not saying that, um, and I think that people don't realize that actors of color have to not only be equipped at like knowing the plays that represent them, but we have to know how to represent ourselves when we're playing stuff that has nothing to do with us. And I'm not saying that in the sense that I can't pick up a play and like sympathize and empathize with a character yeah. who doesn't share my identity. But first of all, I don't talk that way. Second of all, I don't really, the stakes of the situation is not really, I don't really relate to it, but mm. I'm give you what I need to. Right. I think that when they think people of color, they're like, oh, I should find a play about racism. And I was like, my universe does not revolve around white people and what they're talking about. Like the universe revolves about me and my people, my community. And yes, we bring up whiteness and white people, but it's always in contrast to us rather Mm. than the way that they see it, that um, people of color is in contrast to whiteness. And I'm like, no, like that's, that's a very limiting perspective. Like we fall in love. We have stories like we're queer. And I think one of the big experiences with me was I got assigned to do a scene with one of my best friends. Very, very excited. We were both queer. We're both black women. And we're like, yeah, like we should find something like cool. And the teacher was like, uh-uh, you have to pick. We we're like, what? He was like, you guys can either be black or you can be queer. And I was like, I was like, oh, I just, oh boy. I was like, I don't think that's right. And Sometimes I do happen to have a slick mouth and I don't mean to because I try again. I'm not trying to ruin relationships, but if you're wrong, you're just wrong. And I was like, I just feel like you're a theater professor and you've been doing this for a long time. And I was like, you're telling me that you've never read a play where someone is both queer, black and women identifying. And he was like, I got all flustered and he was like, no, 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 I can find it. I find He finally found it. It was very easy. It was something written by an alumni. And I was like, you just... (laughs) You're not doing the work. And I'm like, if you're making me do the work, I'm paying you. You need yeah. to be doing the work for me. <laughs> yeah. But I think I had to find again the joy and like finding spaces in which I can act and it felt good and it felt like the reason why I wanted to do it. And I found those spaces. I found those spaces at NYU. I um I did the Black Arts Intensive at the Billy Holiday Theater. Right. And I had the most fun I've ever had in an acting class because I didn't have to worry about anything that they would project onto me. It was purely critique. It was purely acting. And there have been teachers that are super, super dope and like, I don't have to worry about it. But more often than not, there was always something said to me that I knew wasn't about me. It was about Mm. like having teachers being like, oh, doing Meisner work. And Meisner is a lot of perceptions and like, assumptions and teachers assuming the craziest, craziest things about me and my classmates. And I was like, how did you get that? Mm. Or having a a substitute teacher one day doing Meisner. And she's like, I wasn't expecting you to be so gentle because my partner started crying. And I was like, what about me didn't seem gentle? Like, I need you to speak that 
Like, you're not going to get away with just saying that and then like, mm, haha, like, no, like, what do you mean? Yeah. And, and hearing from my other classmates who are going through similar things and just, you cannot give everything when you feel like anything you give is going to be taken the wrong way. Yeah. And I love playing a villain more than anyone. The villains are the more fun characters. Yes. But you are not going to make me out to be a certain way when I know it's not me. And again, like I, I always try to remind myself, like, is that my thought or someone's thought that was put onto me? And so if that means going to a friend and my colleague rather than my teacher for advice about my scene, which is a little frustrating because you're paying for this. Mm. And I, that's what's really got me like, no, you are paying for this. So you are going to advocate for yourself. You're not going to waste however expensive NYU is um, to be yeah. sitting in silence and suffering. And that right. did affect me poorly. Like I had a teacher who almost for the entire year made my, made my year with her horrible because I was like, you cannot treat me this way. And especially me and other people in the classroom, she was terrible to the point in which we had to have a faculty meeting about her kind of backing off. Like she was so terrible to me and I wanted to transfer. I didn't want to do it anymore. Mm. And I was like, that's not fair. Like the universe is changing. You are no longer the center of the universe and you never have been first of all. But <laughs> now I, I just can't. NYU is very silly sometimes, but I, I can't say I've learned a lot and yeah. I've had some excellent teachers who have really, really done a lot for me, but I think that it, they make it unnecessarily hard for us. Right. And then praise us in yeah. the process. Like, oh, we have so many students of color. And I was like, well, all of us want to leave. So do you really? Right. So uh, talk a bit. Who are your inspirations? Uh, who do you look up to? Um, I genuinely think Viola Davis is a walking masterclass. Mm. It doesn't matter what she's talking about, but it makes sense. And I remember I was watching Giving Voice, which is a documentary on Netflix that one of my friends was in, my friend Callie Holly. She did the August Wilson monologues competition and she got very, very far. And I was so proud of her. And throughout the documentary, Viola Davis, Denzel Washington, Stephen um, McKinley Henderson, and a few other actors were just talking about their process. But Viola Davis was just dropping gems the entire time. And I've been obsessed with her since probably middle school. Right. And was like, wow. Like she's incredible. Anything she says, she says with such truth and such, she just knows what she's talking about. And I'm like, wow. And also she brings a lot to each project I've ever seen her in. Even from like, I think she was in, she was in that superhero movie that people didn't like. Suicide Squad. Yes. She was in that movie and she ate that up. No yeah. one anything negative to say about her but then she can eat up this and this and this and i was like i want she's always great all consistently yeah has anything negative to say about her as a person yeah and as an artist and i think because that coincides very well i think and i just think that's astounding like i think she's literally one of if not the most talented actress right now and right. i'm waiting for her to get her flowers and i feel like she's getting her flowers in my community but i'm like no like y'all need to give her her flowers like man yeah. is giving everything. And They're praising Meryl Streep, but right. it's great. It's great, but she's been praised enough. <laughs> you know? No beef with Meryl Streep. Like she's cool, talented, whatever. But I was like, and I think Viola Davis said that. She was like, they keep calling me the black Meryl Streep. And she's like, yeah. I have the Emmy. I have the Tony. Like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> I'm right. Davis. And I was like, wow. And I was like, you're right. Like never, ever let them... I just feel like there's a way to advocate for yourself. And I feel like watching my heroes do it has made it so that I feel like, wow, like, no, I deserve to not feel like shit in this space. Yeah. And, I, and then it also makes you want to do the work because you're like, it's worth it. Like, look at them. Like, it's so worth it. And then another big one for me is Issa Rae. I think yeah. I love her. I think I love her as a person. She's a Capricorn too. So I was really feeling that. <laughs> That's good. She wrote, she found that she wasn't being represented, started this web show, and is now one of the top like producers and writers of like of like the millennial age. Like she is a young, thriving millennial. And she's, yeah, she just put out a masterclass, right? It's yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah. Are you, are you taking it? <laughs> yes, my friend has the masterclass. And I was like, can I please, please, please watch it just for you? So like I'll never <laughs> she's incredible. She is truly incredible. And 
when I hear her talk about her process and when I watch, I'm, I love Insecure. Me and all my girlfriends have been watching it since like early high school. And yeah. I was like, wow, like this is really nice. Like these are just like young black adults, like thriving and, or just like going through emotional drama that isn't right. like incorrect. And of course, like not everyone is going to feel represented by X, Y, Z, but I just couldn't, I was just so impressed. I was just so impressed. And I was like, this is so fire. Like, I can't believe. And then now seeing her consistently getting casted and like being in like, she was in Lovebirds where she was in like this, like fun, goofy, but like romance, like like almost type of feel. And then like, she did that movie with Lakeith, like Lakeith Stanfield. And I was like, wow, like you are killing it. You're really killing the game. And seeing stuff like that just makes me feel so good because it's authentic and it's real. And it's like, like, that now I'm reminded like why I love this so much. I'm like, cause I want to tell the truth and I want, mm. and I'm like, wow, that's really dope. Barry Jenkins wrote the screenplay for Moonlight, right? Yeah. Okay. I didn't want to mess that up because I didn't know if he was in charge of just visuals, but I if there's an issue. I'll edit it out. That's fine. Don't I worry. This, I bought the screenplay and I was like, this is the best. I bought like the big, Oh my gosh. My grandma was like, you did not just spend all that money on that screenplay. And I was like, I yeah. did. I did. <laughs> and it has like the screenplay has photos. It has the award speeches. And I was like, oh, wow, is a piece of art. Like this is a relic that I'm holding on to because the screenplay is so good. And I was like, this is crazy. Cause when a good screenplay meets good actors like Mahershala and like Ashton Sanders, I was like this, there's nothing that you can't do in a film. Cause it was completely coinciding. And I was reading it and I was like, the way that he writes is so beautiful. What a fantastic movie too. Truly. And I was like, yeah. And it's not just that, like anything he writes and he touches is just incredible. Yeah. I'm like, how, what are you doing? And I find myself like wanting to imitate that, like the way that he writes. And like, it just feels so good to be like, wow, like, oh, someone was like, oh, I feel like I see this writer in you. And you're like, ah, I can't speak you. I feel so good. And <laughs> I went through the screenplay for the first time. I was like, no, like I want to be a writer. Like I want to be able to capture something so beautiful and so nuanced like that. And I was just like, oh my gosh, she's so cool. That's great. So talk a bit about your your goals career-wise and where do you see yourself going with all that? Um, After NYU. <laughs> if I'm being super honest, yeah. I want to go in a lot of directions. That's perfectly fine. There are certain yeah. goals that I envision, but I... I'm trying to work out the steps right now of how I'm going to get there. But I personally feel like speaking your goals and speaking your attention to the universe makes it so that it's impossible not to reach them. And my dream is to create like a production company with myself and other black women in which we write film and create our own works and like a big company. And like we, like we do things together, we shoot together there's, and we work and we collaborate together so that there's, thing missed and i like the idea of like okay i did this now i hand it off to her and i know she got it like i know that there's not like i know that the work is going to be safe with her and then like that's how the process gets made and then we make this beautiful thing together and we watch it and i envision like taking my great-grandmother my great-grandmother is like 91 years old and taking her and being like look like there's you yeah and like just her being excited and i also want to continue to act i want to be in projects that that are just true and like make you feel good. Like I love the idea. I think when I first saw Euphoria, I was really excited mm. and I was like, such a cool concept, but I would love for writers to take that further and show like the, the nuance of just young people. Like we're going mm. to right now. <laughs> like I'm not going to lie to you, but then maybe I will not, maybe definitely broaden what that cast looks like. And I just, I want to continue to act in pieces. I want to continue to model and I want to continue to hold space and make space for people. And so I'm just hoping that whatever I do, I'm continuing to create and I'm continuing to create authentically with the purpose and like the mission statement that I've really held close to me. Like I want that to be a reality and I be happy. Like I want to be really, really happy. And I think as long as I stay true to my intentions and the work that I want to create and the reason why I'm creating, I just feel like it has to happen. Yeah. And hoping to really usher in space for other artists, especially because like, again, coming from the high school that I came from, coming from like a young single mother, everything that I learned was 
way, it was difficult. And there were so many times where I was like, I can't, like, it's just not built for me. This place is not built for me. I don't know what I'm doing. And I would love to create a, a pathway for kids like that to be able to never have those moments of hesitation. So in my head, I'd love to create maybe a school or like a scholarship program, something <laughs> that gets students from point A to point Z. And Z is mm. like the hard stuff is and like without having any of the turmoil that comes in between. And so I don't know what that looks like, but I know that that's something that's very, very important to me. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so how do you deal with anxiety? And yeah, how how's that for you? Uh, I'm a very anxious person. Like I'm not yeah. even <laughs> creative for people are all are. We are nervous. Somebody's yeah. in on us. Like what's <laughs> I That's why I ask. <laughs> oh my gosh, not reading me. You say I see it. I do. Um, I practice a lot of mindfulness and I do a lot of meditation. I'm I've like dedicated a lot to mental health. Especially yeah. because again, like being in these Field, it can be very, it can make you very insecure. Mm. Actually, like modeling and acting, everything is about everything is about everything, and it's usually about something bad. And so, I really dedicated a lot to mental health, and I'm like going to therapy. And my, I love therapy. I, I think I do everyone, too. Yeah, I think everyone should. Yeah, I, everyone should. Accessible and free and mandatory because a lot people, a lot of people need it. And so, I feel like learning things from there, learning things about myself, being very introspective about the way that I respond to things and like what makes me feel bad and like what projecting, what projections am I possibly projecting on others has made my life very, has made it a lot happier and like spending time with myself and like, okay, you know what? I'm way too irritated right now. Let me go meditate for a second. Like it's, and then like telling people about meditation because like I have a lot of girlfriends at home who are like, dang, like we've never really heard of that until now. And I was like, me neither. Like I went to NYU and I did like a huge yoga cat <laughs> with other people of color and it was so fire. And so really just examining what I need and not being ashamed to be like, no, I need this. Like I need help. I need therapy. I need X, Y, Z. And of course it's a process. Like I, it's such a process. I'm still learning how to be like a good person, a good partner, a good daughter, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. I think putting that first and knowing that like, no, like you need help. Like you need mindfulness. Like you need to do this and not yeah. backing off on it does all the difference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think therapy is very important. I think everything you said is important because like a lot of people, their issue is, uh, they won't accept that there's something that they can fix. There's always something that you can fix. I'm not perfect. I will never be perfect. And there will always some, be some, something that I I can fix and talk about. And just talking with you, I learned a lot today. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay. Feel good game. Um, let's end on a great note. Uh, what's your feel good movie? Feel good movie. Uh, I feel like I'm going to miss it. I'm going to mess it up. And then I'm going to think about it later and send you a text and be like, I remember. Oh, duh. Anytime I'm not feeling good, anytime I just need to chill out, I watch um, Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yes. I love that movie so much. One of my little cousins who, and my family cousins are siblings. Like, it's not a cousin. Like, that's my that's my little brother. Um, he looks just like him. And we we went to go see it on my birthday and like, it just made me feel so good. He was like, oh my gosh, it looks just like me. And like, I, that movie just makes me feel so good. It's so great. And it's just a wonderful movie. And I, I adore that. Anytime I'm not feeling good, I'll text my boyfriend and be like, can you come over please? Or can we please do <laughs> the Spider-Verse? Like I'm sad. And it's just nice. And it just makes me feel good. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, feel good TV show. Hmm. Recently, um, a good TV show. I'm such a sucker for um, <laughs> it's like the American like barbecue. Like it's like a one of those cooking challenges shows, but it's just about barbecue. <laughs> and me and my roommate watch it, and it's so silly. But I'm like, okay, sometimes when I watch cooking shows, that food does not look good to me. And a lot of the chefs are from the South, and I'm like, I would eat that in a heartbeat. Like this is so nice. And another one for me, I'm 
very, very into anime and all my friends tease me for it, except for the ones that are into it because they have taste. Um, <laughs> um, Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer is like my shit right now. And it's anytime I'm like, oh, I'm not feeling something. I'm like, let me watch this for a little bit. I heard about that. I need to watch it. Yeah. It's very good. Would recommend. Yeah. What is your feel good song? Um, Soul Sister by Bilal. I love yeah. that. It's such a beautiful song. It just makes me feel good. I'm like, wow, this is love. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I, thank you for, for the, all the suggestions. Yes, of course. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And yeah, it was it was great. It was great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Right. You've been listening to The Very Creative Podcast with Gabriel Vega. To find out more, go to gabrielvega.com slash podcast or find us on social media at The Very Creative Podcast. You can also watch the podcast on YouTube. Just search for The Very Creative Podcast and subscribe.